Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the world and be able to be encouraged. We know that your word says that um, we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves together so much the more as we see you're soon approaching. And we just thank you, Lord, that you're coming soon. And we pray that during this time, your Holy Spirit would abide with us, that you would open our hearts and minds so that we could understand what you're calling us to do in these days that we live in. We love you so much in your name. Amen. So how many of you have not heard of total member involvement before? Okay, so we have a few people. Total member involvement is a really powerful, exciting initiative that you're going to hear all about this whole seminar. And we're even going to have Elder Wilson and Elder McKee come up and share with us the big picture and some stories that have been happening over the years, as well as why we're doing this exciting initiative for the World Church. And so without further ado, I actually want to invite Elder Wilson to come forward. And he's going to share with us the purpose of total member involvement and, um, and sort of the big picture, what we can look forward to and why we should be involved with total member involvement. Thank you, Renella, And great to see all of you here. What a privilege it is to talk about doing something for Jesus. I don't know about you, but I believe that the coming of the Lord is very soon. Now, you might expect the General Conference President to say that because he's paid to say that, right? Anybody who is looking around and realizing what is happening has to realize Things are closing in. Let me give you a little example. In 1999, the Roman Catholic Church and the Lutherans signed an interesting document called the Joint Statement on the Doctrine of Justification. Now, that was 1999. Since that time, churches have been approached they have been looking, they have been considering, they have been evaluating that particular document. And slowly, the churches have come on board in support of that joint statement. In the year 2006, the Methodist Church signed on. In the year 2016, the Anglican Church signed on. Just last month, on July 5, and that's an interesting date because that was my dad's birthday. He would have been 97 had he been alive, and we will see him soon. The Lord's coming. On July 5, the World Communion of Reformed Churches signed on. I was asking a colleague the other day, I really wonder, what about the Baptist Church? What are they going to do? And he told me they are very interested. Now, this should tell us where we are. Ed, I see you here. Ed Reed, he's quite a 
scholar in the area of church developments and prophecy. It tells us that Seventh-day Adventists are going to be essentially the last church standing that still will support the Protestant Reformation. And this year, October 31, will be the 500th anniversary of that event that took place when Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Cathedral. I just visited that cathedral. Well, it may not be exactly the way it was when he was there, but that site just a, a few weeks ago. All of this is to say that when you look around you and see what is going on, we realize that it is time for all of us in what we call the remnant church to actually see God's spirit moving in a dramatic way. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope you are praying for the falling of the latter reign of the Holy Spirit. The Seventh-day Adventist Church needs to be called to that great task that the Holy Spirit will prepare us for what is going to come. I see Louis Torres there in the back. Louis, you preach this message and you help people get ready for that falling of the latter rain. Lay people all over the world in the Seventh-day Adventist Church are needing to be involved in what the church is trying to do because we are all members of the church. So there should be no separation between the president of the general conference and the member in any local church because I'm a local church member too. Total member involvement. Now I know that many of you have read this statement before or heard us talk about it. But in Testimonies, Volume 9, pages 116 and 117, and I'll only read just a few words. I'm not going to take all the time to go over this because we have a lot of other very interesting things to hear. But this is the overview. It says here, those who have the spiritual oversight of the church should devise ways and means by which an opportunity may be given to every member of the church to act some part in God's work. Every member. Then it says, the leaders in God's cause as wise generals are to lay plans for advance moves all along the line. In their planning, they are to give special study to the work that can be done by the laity for their friends and neighbors. And then this one sentence, which I keep repeating, and I hope you will not get bored with hearing it. And Dwayne McKee, who is our TMI coordinator, knows this one so well. We, we know it so well, and we believe it. And I want you to get it in the context of what I just shared with you at the very beginning about the joint statement on the doctrine of justification. Because by God's grace, Seventh-day Adventists will never sign that statement. We will never give up our wonderful privilege of believing according to what God has indicated 
We believe in justification, but we believe it in the understanding of the full concept, Christ's righteousness. That's the very core of the three angels' messages. But we will not give up our opportunity to believe it as we understand it. But here's the sentence. The work of God, and get it now in the, in the setting of everything that's happening, politically, economically. Yes, I know the stock market is right now doing unbelievable things. In uh, a few months, it could be going exactly in the opposite direction. Who knows? In any case, ecumenically, politically, socially, we've got a lot of problems in the, in the social aspect of our of our world today. The work of God in this earth can never be finished until the men and women comprising our church membership rally to the work and unite their efforts with those of ministers and church officers. That's the crux of total member involvement. Everybody doing something for Jesus. Now, what has this concept done around the world? Dwayne's going to share a lot of exciting things. Ranella will share. Michael will share. But I just want to tell you that when this concept has been introduced to our church membership, they have become so excited because they are saying, yes, we are part of this and no one can keep us away from telling about Jesus. Now, that's always been something that the Seventh-day Adventist Church has tried to encourage people to do but to help everyone to understand that there is no separation between administration of whatever, the conference or the union or whatever, and church members, perhaps this is a new concept to some, that you don't just return tithe and give offerings in order for somebody else to do something. We're all in it together. Total member involvement. When we introduced this in Rwanda, and we had community services working, we had health ministries outreach, we had literature evangelism, choirs were singing, young people involved, everybody doing something, it turned the country upside down. We just had our wonderful opportunity in Romania in February. And the Lord is, is working in a very special way there. It's a different place than Rwanda. Uh, next, next year, we're going to someplace very different. And not a lot of people can go with us because it's a much smaller operation, but I want you to pray for it, in Japan. Uh, it's not that it's a smaller place in terms of the population. It's just that our church is much smaller. We have only about 15,000 church members in Japan and uh, the average age is 66. That ought to tell you the challenge we have in Japan. But I want to tell you, our leaders and our pastors, and Dwayne McKee is going to tell you about some of our pastors and what happened in Min, uh, Mindoro in Philippines with some of our Japanese pastors and lay people. Extraordinary. We are looking forward to something absolutely phenomenal through the Holy Spirit's power in Japan. The next year, we're going to India, and I'll be preaching in, that's in 2019, preaching in uh, Calcutta, a very tough place for Seventh-day Adventists. I don't think we have more than about 1,500 Seventh-day Adventists in Calcutta. But 
all across the country will be having activities. Many of you can be involved with that. Uh, there are other activities for next year that Dwayne can tell you about. And then uh, we'll be going to probably Papua New Guinea in 2020. But this is just one thing that we're doing. This has nothing to do with what everybody else is doing all over this globe. Total member involvement. I am so excited about what church members are now gaining as their vision and their mission. And that we are all in this together, and because of the Lord's soon coming, he's, he is going to pour out the latter rain. And then we will really see things move. I hope we will be ready for that great opportunity. But this means that all of us personally need a connection with Jesus. Without that, TMI is just a big front. Means nothing. So our personal connection with Christ is so vital. Our prayer life, our sinking into the Word of God, into understanding the instructions from the Spirit of Prophecy, all of us focusing in a humble way about what God wants to do. Allowing the Holy Spirit to take away from our hearts things that divide us. Situations where perhaps pride gets in the way. And where I have a conviction on something and I'm going to fight on this conviction until this and this and this, the Lord helps to lower that profile in our hearts. Because we're not here to prove a point. We're here to point people to Jesus. Total member involvement. Well, I could talk a lot more, but Dwayne has some exciting things, and Ranella and Michael, and I know you're going to be blessed as we focus upon TMI, God's plan for all of us to do something for Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing, Elder Wilson. You know, I'm so excited to have church leadership. As a young person, I'm excited to have church leadership that are encouraging and pushing us to be involved. Amen? Amen. Leadership who tells us that there's no difference between anyone that's in a paid position and the lay members in the church. We're all in this together. We are a team together. I've been so privileged to work with Adventist World Radio over the last uh, just four weeks, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. Time has just gone by. But um, I've been working with them with Dwayne McKee, who's the uh, president there and also the, the director or the, um, the coordinator for total member involvement. And I just want to invite him up to share with us some of the things that have been happening this past year with total member involvement and to share stories and inspiration and how you can get involved as well. Thank you, Ranella. And we're very privileged to have Ranella working with us. We have several of our staff from AWR here. Would you raise your hands if you're working with AWR? Yes, yes. Thank you so much for being here with us. Excellent. Uh, and we have a lot of field representatives. I think, uh, uh, Dr. Peck, we have recruited, what, 20, 22 field representatives? Okay, here in North America. Thrilling things. Total member involvement started before the General Conference session. We started, I think, in Manila. Had a wonderful series there. Lots of people involved. Uh, lots of meetings. Same thing happened in Harare, Zimbabwe. I can't remember. It wasn't 60,000 were baptized. It seems like something like that. 
in Zimbabwe. 30,000. 30,000 in Zimbabwe. And then the last year, just over a year ago, my, it doesn't, it's, <laughs> a lot of things have happened in the last year in, in Rwanda. Uh, thrilling. Uh, over 2,000 evangelistic means at one time, people doing all kinds of things. They, they were giving cows away to poor people. Cows. Building houses, giving insurance cards away, all kinds of community outreach projects. Everyone can do something for Jesus. That's what TMI, total member involvement, is all about. Somebody said that means too many people in Indianapolis. It doesn't. It means total member involvement. And as Elder Wilson said, Jesus won't come. This is why it makes it very clear until we all get involved. And so that's the goal with TMI, for us all to do something. We have a short video. Oh, by the way, also Romania, Eastern Europe, over 4,000 evangelistic meetings at one time. Can you imagine that? That's not Africa. That's not the Philippines. That's Europe. Over 4,000 evangelistic meetings. And Romania itself, 2,000. Kathy, how many? 2017. Oh, it was. That's right. This is 2017. Actually, they had more than that. <laughs> 2022? Okay, thanks so much. I, yeah, it, it was thrilling, and they're still baptizing people in Romania. And next year, next year, we're, well, we'll go there in a minute. But let's show a little short video. I think you'll enjoy this very much. Greetings from the island of Manduro here in the Philippines. The big question is, how can we train, equip, and excite Japanese pastors to preach evangelistic series in their own country next year? The answer is here in the Philippines, the Manduro for Christ event. Adventist World Radio's goal was to ignite both Japan and the Philippines at the same time with the fire of evangelism. Could this be done simultaneously? Most thought it wouldn't work, but Adventist World Radio, AWR, moved forward in faith. is one of the most promising in all of the Philippines. Oriental Mindoro is home to over 800,000 people, most of whom make their living by fishing along the coast or farming in the rice fields. The mountains are full of countless unreached villages, but that is all about to change because of what God is about to do through Avenus World Radio. Three months ago, AWR started broadcasting that we were going to be holding evangelistic series, Manduro for Christ. The people that came to do those evangelistic series were mostly Japanese pastors. Most of them had never preached a series before. It was almost to be a field school of evangelism for Maranatha Japan 2018. Well, in doing this, laymen got involved and began broadcasting every day nine radio stations, four people each, so 36 laymen. These are local lay people who have an interest in sharing Jesus. They volunteer their time, they go into the studios, and they talk for two hours. These laymen began broadcasting, but after three weeks of not having a single response, they became discouraged. They began to doubt the effectiveness of the radio. They wondered if anyone was even listening. There was no response from the listeners, and they wondered, is this even working? He decided
decided to have a Bible question of the day. The question of the day, I think, is the most brilliant idea. The day before, they would have a sermon like on the state of the dead. What happens to you when you die? The next day, then, that would be the question of the day. Where do you go when you die? And the first five people who would call in would get a special gift. Either a cell phone with recorded programs on it, a little radio, a Steps to Christ. As the listeners called in and they had contact with them, they would actually go to those villages and meet those people personally. This is dedication. This is people that are not being paid to do this, but people that love the Lord and are doing whatever they can to draw someone to Christ. One day while here in Mandora, we visited the six-day store. It's run by two Adventist ladies. They're open six days a week. They're closed on Sabbath. This mother-daughter duo decided to take their little radio, set it out in front of their store. And it wasn't long before people from the mountains started coming down. I know there was some that were walking one hour every day to come down just to listen to the radio. The music started coming on, and all of a sudden, everybody's clapping, and, and we wondered, did someone prompt them to clap just because we're there? But no, they clap every single day when that music comes on because they're so excited about the broadcast. It was 1977. We were missionaries in Zaire in the Congo, living on the mission station in the Kasai. I was on safari in Dikesi. I was at the village of Nkokoloka and went to Nkokoswe. The next morning when I woke up, a lady knocked on my door. Her name was Bertha. She said, Pastor, will you baptize me? I said, sure, Bertha, I'll baptize you. But why would you walk 20 miles all night long to be baptized? She says something I'll never forget. She said, Pastor McKee, I am so sick and tired of this old world. I want to go home and see Jesus. I thought I would never see that kind of a desire to be baptized, that excitement again in my ministry, my life. But it happened. It has happened right now here in the Philippines. A group of people, 25 of them, walked out of the mountains across jungles and rivers and streams to be baptized. Twelve of them were baptized. It was so exciting. They walked not 20 miles, not 20 miles, but 48 miles. It was thrilling, unbelievable to baptize these people who had so much excitement and desire to see Jesus. We are experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit here on this island. success here, but we never imagined we would have the success that we are having here today. Some of these Japanese pastors, their entire lives they baptize one or maybe two people a year, and to be here and all of a sudden have this mass baptism where they're baptizing 25, 30 people, it will change their lives forever, and they're going to take that fire and they're going to go back to Japan. To see that person come up out of the water with such joy on their face, 
there's nothing like that. And you times that by 1400, that's what the Sabbath was like. As a result of AWR's ministry in Mindoro, today we are baptizing more than 1,400 people. I thought before that radio would not work here in Mindoro. Now, I believe that God is still working radio to reach people and to prepare people for His kingdom. Thank you so much for your support of Adventist World Radio, whose Bible programs penetrate all countries and through all walls, know no borders. Thank you for your prayers and for your support, which make all this possible. May God bless you. These miracles are not from our grandparents' old mission storybooks. No, this is happening now. We are reaching the final chapters in Earth's history, and God's Spirit is being poured out all over this world. It's time to take our listeners from broadcast to baptism. This is AWR 360. AWR 360 is total member involvement with AWR, making AWR 360, getting people involved. The Lord won't come until we're all involved doing something for Jesus. One thing that's important to remember, we all can't preach. We all can pray. We all can do something, can't we? Kathy said, be sure you say some of you have some church members who think they can't do anything. They can pray, and they can make a difference. Everybody can do something for Jesus. We've seen this over and over and over again. The important thing is, Elder Wilson, I've said this many times, you must connect the dots. You must connect the dots. A friend of mine said, he's here actually, he said to me two or three months ago, he said, Dwayne, we've been doing health seminars at our church, the best, for 30 years. And do you know how many we baptize? I said, no. None. He said, do you know why? We haven't connected the dots. So whether you do a series of meetings, if you do it by itself, in a vacuum, you probably won't succeed. Whether it's a health seminar, a stress seminar, whatever. If it's by itself, you probably won't succeed. You need to connect it together with a planned program throughout the year in your church. And God will bless in a remarkable way as you plan together, calendar-driven, put it together, plan it together, make it work. God will bless. Over in Kenya and Tanzania and Uganda, they just had total member involvement, all kinds of prayer events, all kinds of social events, all kinds of, of community service events. And those three countries, we supplied them, by the way, with a thousand video projectors like this, $100, 1,200 lumens. Now, you can go on the Internet and buy similar I bought probably 20 of them. None of them work with a flash drive. That's the problem. They work with videos, but not a PowerPoint. Walter has taken this one, 
had it changed, had the firmware changed over in China, and now you just have the video projector, stick the flash drive in, VRL, it works. And you can do a series, I mean, use the New Beginning sermons, use the printed sermons, it works beautifully. We had 1,000 in East Africa, 130,000 people have been baptized this year in East Africa because of total member involvement, all working together for Jesus. Amen? God is going to do something great, special, as his people, all 20 million of them, join hands together, pray together, plan together, get involved in total member involvement, and then the work will be finished, and then Jesus will come. As Cammie said in the video, it's time. It's time. I've had enough, haven't you? It's time for Jesus to come. Amen. Praise the Lord. That made me so excited to see the picture or the video of all of those people walking for how many miles? 48 miles through the jungle. That, is just, that just blows my mind. 48 miles to come down to, to be baptized. How many of you were in the morning meeting today with Julian Archer? And as he showed those statistics, it really opened my eyes to see how much those people there there's a reason why in other countries people really sense their need for God. I want to turn our country in North America and wherever you're from, I want this to be a place where we again sense our need for God. And I praise God because it can happen. It, be, it can happen as we all join hands together as a team and tell people about the Jesus that we love. I want to invite my friend Mike Tuazan up here. He's the director for a great Bible college in Arizona called Souls West. And you know, one thing that I truly believe, I, I grew up in this country, I was born in Berrien Springs, and I grew up here, and I believe that even though we see the videos and the pictures and everything of what's happening around the world, I believe that it can happen here too, amen? And it is happening here, and we wanted to share with you some of those stories of faithful church members right here in America that are living for God as lay members, lay leaders, and that are working as hard as they can to see Jesus come again. So Mike, come share with us these stories. Thank you, Renella. I have the privilege of sharing with you some amazing stories of lay, lay members, church, regular church folk doing some amazing things all over this, uh, over here in North America. Um, just to give you some background, I am the director of Souls West. It's an acronym for the Seventh-day Adventist Outreach Leadership School based in the Pacific Union. And we have the privilege of going to maybe over 30 to 40 churches a year. We do have teams and they do canvassing and we do evangelistic series. We pass out GLOW. And because of all the churches we get to visit a year, we get to hear all of these powerful stories from lay people who are just doing regular things, going to work, but sharing their faith with Christ in the marketplace. And they're totally involved. They're involved with their local church. So I, get the, uh, I have the privilege of sharing some of these stories with you. I want to introduce you to some of them are my good friends. And by the way, we're trying to make it where these videos, which you're going to see, are going to be available as well. We can probably have them on the total member involvement site. But some of these videos we put are brand new. And um, we, maybe some of you heard the presentation last night. But ASI is giving us some money so we can feature more videos. So if you have a compelling story of someone who ha who's doing amazing things and who's a soul winner, or maybe you're doing that, please talk to me so we can feature you in some of these 
um, presentations and some of these videos. We have these three-minute small little vignettes that I like to that I like to show wherever I go. So I want to introduce you to my friend Calvin. Calvin is a dentist in Seattle. Some of you may know him, and he has a powerful story. Basically, God used him in a mighty way to start Army Bible Camp, and, and he was noticing, though, that as people were coming to his Bible Camp and learning about the Bible, he wasn't reaching a lot of non avenues And so he decided to start a new ministry, him and my good friend Ron Dupre. And even though he's a full-time dentist, his passion is exercise and working out. And so they started a ministry called F5, and this ministry focuses on how you can have fun, how you can have fitness and fellowship. And what they do is they have these yearly gatherings. They have these huge yearly gatherings. Well, sometimes it's in the Grand Canyon. This year is, is in Wyoming at the Grand Tetons in Jackson Hole. And what they do is they, they tell their Adventist friends from all over the nation to invite anyone they know who's interested in fitness. And it's a bridge event for non-Adventists to so that they can see that, hey, there are some really awesome people out there. They have a lot of fun. They're interested in fitness, and they also are into fellowship. And because of this ministry, there have been many testimonies of people who have lost weight, who are a lot healthier, and also, more important than that, many of them who are starting to go to church or learn about the Bible. And that's one of the coolest things. So you can um, see more about them. They have their website. You can search Google F5 Challenge or on Facebook, F5 Challenge. And they just started about a year ago, and they currently have over 2,000 followers on Facebook. And they're reaching so many people who are just not interested in spiritual things. I want to tell you about my friend David Zeka. David Zeka, he works in construction in sunny San Diego. He is a he owns his own construction business, but when he's not doing that, he is a soul winner. In fact, he is running the longest small group in America. He has not missed a day, he told me, in 10 years of small group. They, they be once a week, and even on holidays or Christmas or if he's gone, he opens up his house, and a bunch of random strangers infiltrate his house in San Diego because you know, they just can't find any place. It's expensive real estate there, and God's blessed him with a home. And he opens up his house, and he tells me he just opens it up. He leaves the key in a place, and everyone just comes in. And he says, you know what? If someone robbed my house anyways, we have no jewelry here. We have nothing expensive. I mean, what are they going to steal? A bunch of Bibles and a bunch of, you know, vegetarian food? And so in his mind, he says, I have no risk. I have nothing to fear. And so he doesn't mind. He opens up his house, and recently he starts started his own restaurant called Stems, S-T-E-M-S. It's in San Diego, downtown area. It's a vegetarian restaurant. And guess what? In his restaurant, he also opens it up for Bible studies. So on Friday night, they have Bible studies. He'll have groups meet in his restaurant. So not only is his house an evangelistic center, his restaurant and everything else he does, and imagine for, I think it's 12 years now, they have not closed their Bible study once. And even if he's not there, everyone else can come to his small group. I also want to tell you about my good friend, Phil and Tina. Phil and Tina, they uh, have a powerful story because uh, Phil, his grandfather was the first, I believe, one of the first Adventists in the country of Iraq. And long story short is he grew up here in the United States and he backslid. Well, recently has given his heart to God, but he's one of these computer types who's not very good socially and he's not good at talking to people. And so I want you to hear his story. We actually have a little video of it. 
God can use anyone, including someone, maybe some of you who are afraid to knock on doors. So that's what I want to show you with Phil's story. I had a heavy foot. I kept pushing it, kept pushing it, kept pushing it. One day the car gave in and the engine blew. I lost control and hit at a hundred miles an hour. Ended up on the other side of the highway. My dad kind of lifted my head and I breathed for the first time so they knew it was okay, but I wasn't conscious. They rushed me to the hospital. I was, you know, kind of on and on consciousness. And, um, it took one accident in my life and that got me to think about God again. After the hospital, being in bed at my parents' house and I was just alone with my own thoughts, God and a Bible. I started reading the Bible again and I just had a burden and itch to you know, share what I learned. So I tried doing outreach and knocking at doors because I felt like that's my job, my duty. And uh, I said, you know, I have no idea, I can't do this, you know, but God will put words in my mouth and, you know, it should be fine. And uh, despite that, you know, <laughs> it, it didn't turn out too good. I, I didn't have the, the skills to knock at doors. But I did know computers. I did know how to code a website. And that's how it started. Hi, I'm Philip. And I'm Tina. And, and we, we do, do online, online ministry. ministry. Proof Directory is an online ministry. It's a, basically a directory of Bible questions and answers. Whether that's through text, we have over 1,300 Bible questions and answers. So we are just starting a new department of making answers to Bible questions with videos from various speakers. Our website gets over 20,000 views, while our videos get typically over 100,000 views a month. My husband is very much, uh, I guess you say the brain's the operation. <laughs> My job is more um, to talk to people. Everyone can serve God. It, it might not be with a method that's popular. He'll ask you, what's in your hands? And you'll say, well, I can do this. Well, then put that on the altar and God will say, I can use that. And he'll either connect you with someone that that skill can be used for or he'll use it as a start. Hi, I'm Philip and uh, I'm the founder of Proof Directory. As you can see, my friend Philip, he even tells you that he's not very good at meeting people. Sometimes he stumbles with his words, what's, what to say, and he gets nervous when he knocks on doors. Maybe you could relate. And so he said, okay, I can't do that, but what I can do, he, and he realized, he, at first he said, you know, maybe I could make some videos. He realized he's not even good at talking in front of a camera. So what he did is he had a bunch of friends who he got with three minute, five minute, just Bible questions. So someone, he, he puts a question as, uh, what happens when you die? A question, when do we know the second coming is near? And because he knows coding and he knows how to get his website a lot of hits, he got these videos to blow up on social media. And uh, this was a year ago. 
um, when I talked to him that his videos were getting 100,000 views per month. Imagine that. Imagine if you were getting 100,000 people coming to your church, right? That's unheard of. But here is this guy who's shy, doesn't know how to knock on doors, trips up on his words, but God can still use him. You know what that tells me? That God can use anyone. I don't have much time, so I'm just going to get into a couple of other stories. I'm an evangelist at heart, so I've got to tell you a few testimonies. This one is a really awesome story. This is on the story of Lanai. I don't know if you know the story, but the CEO of Oracle... He owns this island now. He bought it for $500 million about four years ago. And in the 1940s and 50s, what happened was there was a young guy who graduated from Hawaiian Mission Academy, and he had this desire to go and knock on doors in this tiny island called Lanai. So he went and he graduated from HMA, which is in Oahu, and he took a boat and he went to Lanai by himself. And he went and he started distributing great controversies. Well... Within three or four days, he got kicked out of the island. They basically said, hey, what are you doing here? This is a private island. Get out of here. So he leaves, but it turns out that one of those great controversies became an activated time bomb a few months later. Someone read it. They were convicted, and they started to do some research and find out, who is this by? It's by some Seventh-day Adventists. So she finds out who they are. She calls the Hawaiian Conference Mission at the time, and they do an evangelistic series downtown in the, in the town square. Now, if you've ever been to Lanai, there are only two hotels, and it's, they're both four seasons, and it's $500 a night. There's only one stoplight, and gas is almost $7 a gallon. So that tells you a little bit about this island. It's a resort island. So here they have this evangelistic series. Turns out the owner of the island at the time, his mother was sick, and she happened to be getting treatment at one of our Adventist hospitals. God's timing is always perfect. When they, at the conclusion of the evangelistic series, the owner of the island at the time, he said, I'm so touched with the message, and I'm so touched with um, also your healthcare system, and I really believe that that's really what God intended for us, to have the right arm of the gospel. We have the gospel, and his mother's getting treated at our hospitals on the mainland. What are the chances of that? Well, he said, I want to do something special for you. So he buy, gives the Seventh-day Adventist church land that we still own today, gives us our own church, and gives us our own house. To this day, if you go to the island of Lanai, you will see that. Now, the reason why I tell this to you, it's kind of, kind of sad because the, the church has dwindled in attendance from 50 to 20 to 10, and sometimes now there's only two or three people. But we still have that ch church available. And I was so pleased that my students were able to do an evangelistic series here. And while they were preaching the series, I was doing a series um, in the island of Oahu. And it turns out we were sent to the Mormon area of Laie. If you've ever been to Hawaii, there is BYU Hawaii. And there's a Polynesian Cultural Center. And we have a small church right there called Haula. And so we had the privilege of preaching an evangelistic meeting there. And when we were preaching the meeting, you know, we, we decided to knock on doors. We decided to go out and ask for Bible studies. Well, the people who were knocking on their doors, they were basically saying, hey, we're Mormon. This is Mormon country. What are you guys doing here? And to the other people who were not Mormon, they mis mistook us as Mormon. And so we were not having very much success. And we're like, hey, we're Souls West. What we do is we knock on doors and we offer Bible studies and give out literature. But that wasn't working. So we came up with a plan. And this is where... Hopefully, this will give you some ideas. What we decided to do is say, okay, let's look at our team. There was like five or six of us. What can we do? And we started to talk about what are some talents that we have. And one person said, 
I can do this and I can do this. And what we realized is everyone on that team, we could all play the piano. How limited it was, we could play the piano. And we said, okay, let's, let's do another approach. Let's go back into the area and let's offer free piano lessons. So we went and did that. You wouldn't believe it. We got people to sign up for piano lessons. And so we said, okay, now we got students in our piano school. What do we do next? And we said, okay, I got an idea. Let's have them play for special music at the evangelistic series. Let's call that the recital. So here we have Uncle Joseph. He was one of our contacts, my good friend AJ, a Bible worker at the time. And what happened was we said, okay, we will have you. We told them about, hey, you know, hey, praise God. I mean, you're doing your lessons. And we were telling them that, you know, and the nice thing is the, the piano lessons were at the church. So they had to come to the church. So they're used to coming to the church for piano lessons. So we told them, hey, we have a recital for you. You know, you've, you've gone through four or five of these piano lessons and music lessons. You're going to play. It's going to be at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night and so forth. So here we go, opening night. We have Uncle Joseph, and he plays uh, piano lessons. Well, he plays his, his piece. I mean, it was not a very good piece, but I'm sure the spirit still led, right? Well, he goes to, he, after the piano lesson, he listens to the message, and he's absolutely convicted of the message that is preached, and because of that, he realizes, you know, I really want to come back. So guess what? He came night after night after night. At the end of the evangelistic series, he decided to give his heart to Jesus and get baptized. Amen? But here's the thing. After he got baptized, he started to reflect about what God had done in his life. And he looked at me and he looked at the Bible work. He said, hey, you tricked me. <laughs> and we're like, okay, what do we say? And he, and then he said, thank you. He said, that is the only way I would be here. That is the only way that I would go to church is by you guys offering piano lessons. Thank you so much for not quitting. Thank you so much for knocking on my doors. And he said, let me tell you something. You guys actually knocked on my doors twice before you offered piano lessons. And you, you offered Bible studies and you offered literature and I didn't want anything of it. I thought you were Mormons. But when you offered piano lessons, I said, those are $100 an hour. I mean, those are 50 bucks an hour. You'd be a fool not to sign up for that. So the reason why I tell you this story is because I know that God has given some of you some talents. Maybe for some of you, you, you know another language. Maybe for some of you, you play an instrument. You can just use what's in your hand. What do you have? Because you can use that for God's honor and his glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Michael. I know that there are many talents in this room. And... I've been inspired to use what God has given me. And you know, the thing is, is that as I've been in ministry, and I know I look young, I am young, and I have you know, only been in ministry for about 10 years. And through that time, I have been so blown away with the resources that the Seventh-day Adventist Church has. If you want to do any ministry, we have a resource for you. It's all out there. There's someone to train you. It's just having the willingness to actually follow through and to stop and think, what can I do for God? So before we go through this last section, I want to share with you a few resources that we wanted to point you to. And um, the first one is, of course, what you have um, that you were given at the door, which is this. It has a lot of different tips and ideas. I want to encourage you to go to the website. You saw it up here at the beginning as well, um, TMI. Uh, oh man, I should have actually written that down. I think it's tmi.avenus.org. And you can go there and there are a hundred different ideas you can do. How many ideas? 
a hundred different things that you can do. One thing that you can do to put into practice today what we're talking about is this outreach card. At ASI, we're doing an ASI ongoing outreach. You got this in your registration bag, and if you don't have it, you can grab one before you leave. But basically, you pass out some glow here to non-ASI attendees. There are several of them around outside, right out the doors, walking through this building as well. And when, you're, when you complete it, you can go to the ASI booth and grab a few free things that we have for you. But I just want to share with you something that actually just happened a couple hours ago. I was preparing for this seminar, and I thought, oh my goodness, I haven't passed out my 20 pieces of glow yet. And I'm going to come up here and tell people that they need to. And so I was, I was there, you know, preparing, and um, I saw someone that I felt convicted to give a piece of glow to because literally I felt convicted because I was about to come and talk to you. See, that's what happens when you share. You feel convicted to do the same thing that you're talking about. So I, I, I went up to her and I said, oh, hey, you know, before I go, this is something you can read when you get bored. And she said, oh, wow. And I said, have you gotten one of these yet? I'm thinking, you know, maybe she already got one. There's tons of us here. And she said, no, I haven't actually. I've never seen it. I said, oh, these are so great. And I asked her if she was Christian. And she started opening up to me. And she said, oh, thank you so much. I've just been really needing stuff like this. She said, I've been watching you guys down there in the meetings. I've been looking through the window here. And uh, just been wondering what you guys are doing. So I gave her the information so she could watch it on TV while she watches it from her window as well. And we started talking. I said, can I pray for you? Because I remembered on the card it says pray for five non-ASI attendees. And uh, even, even I felt a little nervous. And I was like, can I pray for you? And she said, oh, yes. You know, I really need prayer. I said, what can I pray for you for? And she said, I don't want to give you, I, I don't want to open up too much, but... I, I've been feeling convicted about things in my life that need to change. And she said, and I feel so convicted, but I don't know what to do about it because I'm not strong enough. And I started relating with her and I said, you know what? I know what you mean. In the Bible, it talks about how we don't even know how to do the things we know that we should. And I started telling her about how Jesus will do it for her and in her as she surrenders herself to God. And as we shared, she said, thank you so much for giving this to me. Because I started wondering, you know, is God even listening to my prayers anymore? Does he even care about me because I'm not doing, I'm not living the way I should? And we prayed and she was so thankful. And I thought to myself, man, how many people are there right under our nose? Walking through this building, everywhere we go, Ellen White says that every year millions upon millions of people are passing into eternity unwarned and unsaved. They are all around us. They're everywhere. And yet, here we are, timid and shy, and we're here to tell you today that God can use you and God wants to use you today. Even before tonight, you can have a divine appointment. You take out that piece of glow. You offer to pray with someone on the way to the hotel. God wants to use you today and your talents today. And we can't wait for someone else to take initiative and do something. He's wanting to use you today. Before we go into our last section here, I want to invite Elder McKee up to share just a little bit more. He had something he wanted to share. Thank you so much, Renella. In, in the brochures that you have, you have a one that looks like this. It's total member involvement. It has a hundred different ideas that she was talking about that you can use. By the way, the Japanese pastors came to Mindoro to preach evangelistic sermons in English. Did you hear me? In English. Then they had to go back to Japan with their excitement. One conference 
president, Pastor Obara, told Kathy, he said, I have never been to an evangelistic meeting before in my life. Except, he said, when I was a kid, I went to one. And now I'm preaching one. He was so thrilled and excited. He had tears in his eyes when he left, as many of the pastors did. He said, thank you, thank you for what you've done for my pastors. Now, to preach in English, they had to practice most of the day in English. So we would have an English-speaking person from Japan preach the sermon, say one line. If it's in the Bible, and then the Japanese would say, if it's in the Bible. We had three or four Japanese lined up and one English speaker, and they'd repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until they got it right. Then the next phrase, this took hours with lots of sweat, blood, and tears. <laughs> and then he got the idea. He said, when I go back to Japan, I'm going to have an English language school and use the same sermons and teach Japanese to speak English, repeating the sermons over and over and over and over. We just told some people at best, Your Best Pathway to Health in the committee just before this meeting, they're getting ready for Phoenix. We have lots of ethnic groups in Phoenix. And we said, this is a way that your ethnic groups can learn English. We'll give them the New Beginning sermons. And we'll take a person who speaks English. They don't have to know their language, whether they're from Rwanda or from Thailand or wherever, or Peru. They can learn English by preaching evangelistic sermons in English over and over and over again. Then they take the sermons home to practice that night on their family. Amen? Amen. So there are lots of innovative ways that we can do, not hard, to share Jesus. That's total member involvement. Thank you so much. Oh, by the way, one more oh, thing. Okay. Otto Wilson is going to have prayer in a bit. I just want to say that the General Conference is heavily involved. Many of us at the GC have gone. We feel it's our duty to model to the world church that you can do this. The busiest person in the church is our General Conference president. And I have watched him, even before this initiative, year after year, take two weeks out of his busy schedule and preach an evangelistic series of meetings. If he can do it, we all should be able to be involved at least two. If you can't preach, do something else. Do it two weeks. Go with us on a trip. Do something for Jesus. But I am so impressed that our general conference president has such a passion. By the way, he does this for other reasons, too. He tells me he's, this is how he survives spiritually. <laughs> it revitalizes your soul when you preach the Adventist message, folks. It really does. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to highlight something that Elder Wilson said at the beginning, which was that being involved in ministry, it's, it comes from our personal connection with God. It comes from a heart that is deeply committed to Jesus. And you know, I have realized that what we need as a church is not necessarily better methods, even though we could always improve. But what we need is revival in our lives. What we need is more of the Holy Spirit to fill us and to transform our lives. And I wanted to end this time on focusing on that 
And I wanted to tell you a story about a good friend, and her name was Vera Ancoba. You know, she was not just a lay member, she was a lay leader. And when she spoke, we knew she had, all, she had been with Jesus just that morning. She had memorized scripture, and she, if you ever needed some type of encouragement, she could just give it to you like that in quotes and in verses. And uh, whenever you talked to her and she shared those quotes, it sounded like she had just read it for the first time that morning. It sounded like she had just read John 3.16 for the first time that morning, and she would say, Ranella. Isn't God amazing? And you know, in those moments, sometimes you don't feel very spiritual sometimes. And she was the type of person where if you talked to her and you didn't feel very spiritual right then, you'd be like, man, why is she so happy? You know? <laughs> and then you'd be convicted and realize that's the way I should be. She was a woman who exuded Christ because she had spent time with him. I remember writing down a list of people who after I left their presence, just being with them, I would want to be more like Jesus. Have you guys met some of those people before? You just interact with them, but when you leave, you're like, I need to be more like Christ. And she was right there on the list. Many people called her a modern Enoch. And we marveled that we had walked in her presence, that she was someone who just lived in the presence of Christ. She was a nurse by trade and by ministry. And she... Whenever she saw a person, this is one thing that really inspired me. Whenever she saw a person, she would only see a soul that Jesus died for. She never saw their social status, what their education was, what they looked like or smelled like or anything. She just saw someone who Jesus died for. You know, less than two weeks ago, I was on the phone with her asking if she could take a friend's spot who had dropped out of speaking at this seminar. And she happily agreed, of course, to share her testimony and uh, I thought she would be a great testimony to share because she was a, a living example. And I thought, man, she'd be perfect to come share here at ASI. And little did I know that just a week later, we would receive the news that she was lying in a hospital bed, fighting for her life. The doctors tried all day and into the night to get her heart to beat again. But it had suddenly stopped that morning, and it was over. She was 36 years old. For all that knew her, it just shook our world, and it, we couldn't help but scrutinize every part of her life. You know, when, if we don't end up living to see Jesus comes, people will scrutinize our lives. The life that we lived, what legacy did we leave? What did we really live for? We couldn't believe that she, such a person as her, had walked on planet Earth. And we, we were so sad because we believed that our generation needs more of her who knows what it's like to walk with God. I share this story with you because I believe now more than ever that what our church needs is a revival of primitive godliness among us. We need a deeper experience with Jesus and a greater understanding of what it means to walk with him in daily life. We need a stronger prayer life. How many of you need a stronger prayer life? I'll be the first one to say that it is hard to keep up a consistent prayer life. We get busy. We get distracted. We kind of get bored sometimes. But I'm telling you that is because the devil is so afraid of God's people being on their knees and praying for souls. He's afraid of that. And so he won't stop. No matter how long you've been in ministry, he won't stop 
from trying to keep you from having a prayer life, but it's what we desperately need because what we need is we need time with Jesus, beholding him so that we can become changed and his influence washing away the pride in our lives, keeping us from the people that we should be ministering to. You know, we need that cleansing spirit to wash away the love of pleasure that we have, the love of comfort, the love of ease. I love a comfortable life. I love the life that I live in America where I have all my needs met and everything taken care of and I don't have to worry, I don't have to sacrifice, I don't have to give. But yet, like we heard this morning, sometimes that can be our enemy when we realize that we don't feel our need for Jesus anymore. And yet, this strange stupor is upon us where we don't realize that we're in a very dangerous time where the devil is walking ar around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I want to live like this woman I knew, Vera Ankoba, who would spend hours in the morning praying. You know, she was the type of person where if I ever needed to call and just pray, she would answer, and we would, we would pray at 6 a.m. every morning. We would memorize paragraphs of spirit of prophecy and quotes, and she just hungered for righteousness. She wanted more and more. And you know, that's what happens. If you find yourself in a position where you don't really feel like praying in the morning, or you don't feel like having a devotional life, start off doing it small. Little by little, your hunger will grow as the Holy Spirit works on your heart. And before you know it, you'll wonder how you ever lived without it. The Holy Spirit will start changing your desires from wanting all kinds of, you know, animation activity and, you know, our, our senses are so hyper to being able to sit in the presence of God and talk to Him and commune with Him. And this is what she had. She was an inspiring woman because she would work three days a week as a nurse. And at one point in her life, she felt so convicted about literature evangelism. She had just read some Ellen White quotes. And uh, she would spend the next four days that she wasn't working as a nurse. She would take 12 of her friends and they would go door to door, not knowing what they were doing, just going door to door, passing out literature, doing what they could so that people could hear the message. At another point in her life, she was working as a health coach uh, meeting people's felt needs. And another point, most recently, she lived in Michigan, and she would drive an hour and a half back and forth from work. And, uh, and she would work nights. And the, the people that she was staying with would wonder sometimes when she would come back at 2 p.m. instead of that morning to go to sleep for the rest of the day. And she would tell them, well, I, I made Bible study contacts there, and I needed to drop off my Bible study guides. I needed to study the Bible with people before I came back. She was so committed to doing God's work, even if it meant she only slept three or four hours every night. What made the difference in Vera's life, the power that she had, came from her love of communion with God. She loved Jesus. She loved being with him. You know, my friends, the, the key to total member involvement is not just knowing in your mind, I need to go on this mission trip. I need to give a Bible study. I need to do this. I know I need to. It's sitting with Jesus and allowing his sweet spirit to transform your heart when you, until you realize, I must do this because I love the Lord. I wanted to read to you a couple of, of quotes here as we close up. In 2 Corinthians 2, it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, does what? 
diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We're called to be a fragrance. If you don't feel like you can do something for God, you can be something for God. As you allow him to transform your life, you can be a fragrance to everyone you come in contact with. This woman didn't do anything very special. She was just a woman of God. And people were so inspired by her life. 2 Corinthians 3 says, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered to us, by us, written not with ink, but by who? The spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. Do you see the connection here? When the Holy Spirit writes the new covenant on your heart, you become an epistle to all men, known and read by all men as the spirit changes your life. I wanted to read to you uh, one last quote here in Christ's Object Lessons, page 419. It is the privilege of every soul to be a living channel through which God can communicate to the world the treasures of his grace, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And notice this. Do you want to know what Jesus wants? His number one desire. What's on his Christmas list, his birthday list, whatever it is. What's on his top list. There's nothing that Christ desires so much as agents who will represent to the world what? His spirit and character. There is nothing that the world needs so much as the manifestation through humanity of the Savior's love. All heaven is waiting for channels through which can be poured the holy oil to be a joy and blessing to human hearts. Can you say amen? amen. There is nothing that the world needs so much. That is our appeal today. Our appeal is not only to think about how you can get involved but more importantly, to drop down on your knees in the morning. Make time for Jesus. Make time to sit at his feet and look into his word. My prayer every morning is, Lord, help me to be the most excited about prayer than anything else I could be doing. Help me to look into your word and think this is the most exciting place I could be. I love your word more than my life. Could God make us into those people? I know he can. And that is my prayer. That is the life that this woman lived. And we want her legacy to live on. We want to live like her. And that's why I share this today, because she lived like Christ. And I want to challenge every single one of us to stop and pray, what can I do? What can I do to rearrange my schedule, rearrange my priorities, so that Jesus really is number one in my life? You will see that as you allow him in, you'll find more and more of these opportunities. You'll have the desire to go and share Christ wherever you are. And I believe that as we do this, every single one of us taking responsibility of our spiritual lives first, we'll see Jesus come again. I wanted to invite Elder Wilson to come up and have a closing prayer for us. What a touching appeal Ranella has given us. I praise God for what he's put into your heart. And I only wish that Vera was here today. But her legacy will continue in each one of us as we're inspired to do something for Jesus. Revival and Reformation is the foundation for TMI and everything else we do. 500 years ago, Martin Luther, 
nailed those 95 theses? 125 years ago, Steps to Christ came out. It's the anniversary, 125 years. Read it. Let it sink in. Revival and Reformation, our connection with Christ, will help us in our outreach. TMI, is it only evangelistic meetings going to Palawan? Praise God, you got that great trip. No. TMI is comprehensive health outreach. Talking to your neighbors. Holding small group meetings in your home. Passing out literature. Using social media. Using Adventist media in every possible way. Everything you can think about in touching people's lives. And all of that has to be connected by the dots, as Dwayne said. And once in a while, we hold these public meetings. And believe me, even here in the United States, public evangelism is not dead. Let the Lord do what he will. Thank you, Michael, for what you and Souls West uh, are doing. And thank you, Dwayne, for sharing with us today. I heard of one of the most innovative TMI outreach activities just the other day. Blasius Raguri, the president of East Central Africa Division, told us about young people, I think it was in Tanzania, who get big trash bins. And they put, well, they go throughout an area of the city and they clean up the area because not every place in the world has trash collection like maybe you're used to. And they clean up the area and then they put, they have these big signs on these big barrels that they've been collecting all the trash and it says total member involvement. And they put the bins in the nice, vacant, cleaned-up areas of the villages and towns so that people will know Seventh-day Adventists have been there. Follow our example. I mean, you know, what an you can do anything. Trash collection, what a great way to witness to people, right? God is going to use you in a powerful way. Uh, just before this, I was at the Amen Luncheon. That's the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network health professionals who get together. They're doing a great job. And uh, they even have a fascinating clinic called Clinic in a Box. And they will take health professionals to little places and reach out. But I shared with them one text that I want to read to you uh, just before we pray. It's in John, the sixth chapter. And it's John's rendition of the feeding of the 5,000. In verse 5 and verse 6, is really interesting. When you feel overwhelmed, what can I do? What can, how can I be part of TMI? What is it that God is asking me to do? Remember, he has called you and he will empower you. This is what happened. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, now this was Jesus talking to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he, that's Jesus, said to test him, Philip, for he himself, Jesus, knew what he, Jesus, would do. 
When Jesus asks you a question, he asks you to do something, he asks you to be part of total member involvement, don't wonder why, how it's going to happen or why he's asking you. Get out and do it because the Lord knows what he wants to do through you. Would you stand in prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for these many people who are already doing so many things for you in your name and through the power of the Holy Spirit. But help each one of us to be re-energized every day as we're in contact with you through Bible study, through prayer, through an understanding of your instruction in the spirit of prophecy, through the impressions that we receive. Lord, we ask that you will then help us to do something about it, to become part of total member involvement, everybody doing something for Jesus, connecting the dots and helping people to truly understand that eternal life is at stake. Now, Lord, thank you for all the testimonies we've heard. Thank you for the witness that Vera has been while she was here alive. May each of us, with the life we have, continue to share with others this precious Advent message, the three angels' messages, pointing people to Christ, to his righteousness, to his sanctuary service, to an understanding of the three angels' messages in, a, in their totality, and helping people to know that the second coming of Jesus Christ is imminent. Live within us, and Lord, use us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www asiministries.org or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons please visit www.audioverse.org